following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And there's screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the thrill. I'm ready. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who goes this town tonight. Welcome to Carmen Lasseter Sports Talk. It is a Tuesday morning, 10 a.m. Arizona time, 12 p.m. Eastern. Alex Clancy in studio. I will be alone again today. We might have Kwame or Deborah calling in. But for the time being, it's just me. We have a lot to talk about. Monday Night Football, Dallas Cowboys and Chicago Bears. It was a very interesting game. A lot of storylines and a lot of things that may or may not happen in the future. We'll stick with the NFL. I want to talk about the NFL injuries that have happened this year. Whether being able to go low is better than be able to... It's better to go low than go high. Concussions are they more important than ACLs? You know, we'll talk about that. I'll talk about the mess that's the Washington Redskins. How Dan Snyder is single-handedly imploding that franchise, even though it's in his own hands to do differently. We'll talk some NBA, the the parody in the NBA. As I started talking about yesterday, maybe talk a little Jason Kidd and the dismissal of Lawrence Frank, who was supposed to be the hand behind the puppet, so to speak, with Jason Kidd being the puppet, obviously. And um, in the last segment, I have a couple little things that I'd like to speak about as well. But we'll start with the Dallas Cowboys and Chicago Bears. Chicago wins 45-28 yesterday. I I was intrigued by this game. I didn't know what Josh McCown would do against the most porous pass defense in the NFL. And he did not disappoint Chicago Bears fans. I wanted to see what the Chicago Bears defense would do against DeMarco Murray with the Chicago Bears defense being awful against the run. DeMarco Murray did not disappoint. However, it was not enough for Dallas. And Tony Romo did not have a very good game. So uh, let's start with Dallas. Since 96, which was their last Super Bowl, the first 12 games of the season, they are 119-97, which is a 551 win percentage and sixth in the NFL over that span. The last four games of the season, the last quarter of the season, where it really matters in December, 26 and 43, including last night, 29th in the NFL. So that speaks for itself. A lot of it has to do with the curse of Tony Romo, so to speak, but some stuff was happening before he became a Cowboys quarterback, so you can't put all the blame on him, especially last night where the defense gave him zero help whatsoever. He threw for 104 yards, 11 of 20. Three touchdowns, all short touchdowns set up by DeMarco Murray runs. Uh, DeMarco Murray, 18 carries, 146 yards, no touchdowns, uh, but he is what kept them in the game. Even when they were down a couple of scores midway through the third quarter and early in the fourth, they were running the ball. They were giving the ball to him. He was getting 10, 12 yards of carry. So he kept them in this game. Uh, Again, it wasn't enough. You can't have a running back keep you in the game when you're down a few scores, especially later on in the game. Their leading receiver had two catches for 36 yards, Terrence Williams. No receiver on that potent vertical offense had more than two catches. 
Des Bryant had 12 yards receiving. He did catch a touchdown. It was a three-yard touchdown catch. Jason Witten had one catch for 10 yards and a touchdown. Uh, you, you can't do this if you want to win. I understand it was cold outside, but it didn't really affect Chicago, did it? And I understand that Dallas plays in the, in the Jerry Dome, and unless the Eye of God is looking down, it, it's usually uh, pretty pristine uh, football weather because there isn't any, unless it's air conditioning with the, with the dancing girls up on the top balcony. Uh, the circus that is the Dallas Cowboys gets exploited in cold weather. It's been documented, especially in recent history, and it was shown again last night on the biggest of stages uh, during the regular season in the NFL. Uh, regular season in the NFL. Um, this has this had a lot of weight with regards to playoff jockeying, playoff positioning. Um, the Bears are now tied for the division in the NFC North, which. Uh, I didn't really see happening when when Jay Cutler went down, but Josh McCown has done a fantastic job. Their defense hasn't given them any help, but their offense, with now the four-headed monster due to the emergence of Alshon Jeffrey, who is now has now over 1,100 yards receiving this year, came out of nowhere. Uh, Matt Forte out of the backfield. He's probably the best blocking running back for his size in the NFL. He picks up blitz, blitz, uh, blitzes great. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's very elusive when he runs. And he stayed healthy, knock on wood. Uh, Brandon Marshall's Brandon Marshall. Solid. 1,000-yard receiver. He's a big, big target in the end zone. Alshon Jeffrey is now the deep threat. And he makes some of the most ridiculous catches I've ever seen as a sports fan. And he had one last night in the back of the end zone. I don't know how he puts two feet down. Uh, but he did. It was a great ball. Great thrown ball by Josh McCown. And Martellus Bennett is another huge addition for them in the tight end position. He's got good hands. He's, he's got some speed, but he's another huge target for Josh McCown slash Jay Cutler in the red zone. So they're sitting 7-6 and six, tied with Detroit. They're a half game ahead, or a game ahead of Green Bay, who's 6-6-1. Six, six and one. Dallas is now a game behind Philly. In the NFC, in the NFC East, and the NFC North, uh, sorry, in the NFC East, I should say. Seven and six, Phillies eight and five. Dallas has Green Bay next week. And if Aaron Rodgers does come back, like I would assume he would, because who better to play on your, in your first game back than the worst defense in the NFL? So that'll be a huge game for each team in their respective conferences. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Let's, uh, let's move to uh, Chicago from last night. Josh McCown, 20, 27 to 36, 348 and four touchdowns. I mean, that's good. Just because you're playing a bad defense doesn't mean that you don't need to execute. He added a rushing touchdown as well on a, I don't know if it was exactly designed, but a quarterback, a quarterback draw, jumped into the end zone, any given Sunday style, spun around. Reminded me of John Elway in the Super Bowl with that touchdown run. Obviously not with, with more importance than that. Matt Forte, 20 carries, 102 yards. Seven catches for 73 yards and a touchdown. If he stays healthy, they have a chance to make it really far. Because he's very, very dynamic. There aren't many running backs like that in the NFL. Uh, Jamal Charles, LaShawn McCoy. I mean, I, I can't really think of many else. You can't put Darren Sproles or Pierre Thomas in that situation because they're not elite like the former three that I mentioned. Brandon Marshall, six catches, 100 yards. Four players had more than four catches. 
Martellus Bennett, 5 for 43. Alshon Jeffrey, 5 for 84 and a touchdown. Brandon Marshall and Matt Forte, as I previously mentioned. They have a great offense. They have a great offense. Even in the cold weather where it was frigid, the, the reporters couldn't even get words out. It was funny to watch. So we'll see what happens with these two teams. And out of the two, after watching last night and after watching how bad the Cowboys' defense is, I'd pick Chicago to go further. And i picked Dallas to win the division preseason if DeMarco Murray played 14 games. And he's on pace to do so. And I, it's going to come down to Philly and them at the end of the year. Nick Foles is going to tear that secondary apart. I don't know what the defensive coordinator, coordinator is thinking. Leaving the whole middle of the field open. Trying to double team receivers when you have Matt Forte in the backfield. Trust your defensive backs. And if you don't, get them off the field. Get them off the field if, if, they're not, if they're not cutting it. I know Morris Claiborne's out, but he hasn't really lived up to the super hype that he had coming out of college like Patrick Peterson has. So Dallas is in trouble, and I, I think, and I've said over and over and over, Jerry Jones is the problem. When your owner's your general manager, everybody is at the feet of Jerry Jones. And I don't think that's how it should be. Say what you want about L. Davis, but most of his players loved him. Not so much towards the, towards the tail end, but all he did was wear a sweatsuit, stand on the field. He's not wearing a $10,000 suit, having 10-minute interviews at the end of every game in the locker room or right outside the locker room. An owner's not supposed to do that. I mean, that's that. There's no room for that in sports. And Kwame would agree with me if he were here. Stay in the booth. Stay in the booth. Make sure the franchise runs fluidly or as much as as well as possible. But just stay up, sign our paychecks, and let us do what we do. You hired all of us for a reason. Let us do our job. And Jerry Jones will not have that. If Jimmy Johnson left in the mid-90s at the pinnacle of the Dallas Cowboys franchise, you know something's wrong. And it's just gotten worse. He built a monstrosity. In Dallas... He has all the bells and whistles. The only thing that's missing is a winning football team. So you could say on the positive side for Jerry Jones, he's a great businessman and he always has been, and that's obvious. But he's not a good football owner. Many wealthy people buy franchises as just an investment and they just watch it grow. And and they do things through the course of time with the franchise to try to better the situation, but they don't have a stranglehold on the franchise as a whole. Because you hire people that know what they're talking about and know what they're doing to run the franchise for you. And again, Jerry Jones hasn't done that. 
Dan Snyder is another one. We're going to segue into the Washington Redskins debacle. Dan Snyder has taken it one step further than Jerry Jones has. He befriends his star athletes. And he has done so in recent in in the past. Clint Portis is the name that comes out. I heard somebody talking about that today. Did it with RG3 coming right out of college as a kid. That circumvents the system. It circumvents the bureaucracy. The player's boss is their head coach. The head coach's boss is the owner. Obviously, everybody's, everybody's boss is the owner. I understand that. But the ladder of power goes from players to coaches to middle execs to the owner. When the owner becomes friends with the players on a very personal level, it makes everything disjointed. It makes the players question if they can just go to the owner instead of having to talk to their coach. I understand you have to make players happy. I understand that they are the reason why your franchise has a heartbeat. But you can't circumvent the ladder of power. You just can't. We got to take a break. Carmen Lancer Sports, like Alex Clancy in studio. Deborah Debris will be joining me on the other side of the break. We're going to continue talking about the Redskins. I want to talk about Mike Shanahan a little bit and his plans. And then we'll segue right into injuries. What's more important? Head injuries or bodily injuries from the neck down? Carmen Lancer Sports, like Alex Clancy. We'll be back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, still half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchofDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. 
Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy in studio. We have a Yukon. Yeah, we have yeah, Deborah Debris in her Yukon truck, probably running over baby cars on the road right now. Get out of my way, I'm coming through. So all these amateurs as she says. That's right. So uh Deborah's had some stuff going on. I hope you're feeling all right. Um yeah, well, let's. Uh, you, you told me off air that you'd like to speak on the Jerry Jones situation and in turn the Dan Snyder situation in Washington. Um, what do you think? Yeah, just owners in general. When we look at, I mean, you made a comment about Jerry Jones being a good business person, which he is. I would completely agree with that. And NFL is a business. So even as an owner of a team, uh, you've got to know that it's a business and still run it like a business, and that's where he's not. He's getting emotionally involved with the team and always has, and because of that, he doesn't give his people the opportunity to really uh, be at their absolute best because they're always going to second-guess, you know, is he going to step in and come down to the sidelines and, you know, rant and rave and change the whole, uh, you know, energy of the game plan from the sidelines. Yeah, but... Uh, If we go to the Washington Redskins and we look at... Excuse me. We look at the, you know, an owner getting friendly with the players. Uh, that's a big no-no. I don't care what business you're in. And again, we have to look at NFL as a business. Uh, a lot of times, owners do that because they want to feel significant. They want to feel bigger, better, better than what they really are, uh, as if being an owner isn't enough. Um, so they end up getting personally involved. And you're right. That changes the entire dynamic uh, of how a player. Uh, and a coach can look at the game and who's going to end the other players, who's going to get favoritism, who isn't. Um, you know, if I screw up, not a big deal. I'll just go have a cocktail with the owner and we'll get it figured out. Right, yeah, and that's something that, that cannot happen. I agree. However, you can be emotionally invested in your team because, first of all, it's your money. So if if you think if you're attached mostly to your money in your life, you can be emotionally invested in that. And these are people that are working for you. It's not They're not droids. So obviously... The, the the talented people that you have on your team, either athletes or or guys in the front office, you can be emotionally invested. You just have to cut it off. If you're the owner, look at what Robert Kraft does in New England. He is so he is extremely emotionally invested, personally invested into the Patriots. He's probably friends with Tom Brady for all this. I mean, all the stuff he's done. They've got to know each other over the past ten, twelve years. He's friends with Bill Belichick, but 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 it gets cut off when it needs to get cut off. And emotionally invested is, I'm all for that. I mean, I'm way all for that. But there's a description of what is emotionally invested. Uh, to me, if you're an owner, you need to be there uh, praising your players when they do well and your coaches. And I mean, big time praising them up. 
uh, anytime that you have anything that's negative, you do that behind closed doors. Uh, you don't show that emotion during the middle of a game. You do it whenever it's appropriate um, and at times that it's appropriate. And re- reality is the same thing goes with the players. Um, if you're going to be a, a part of a team, you have to be a part of a team all the way. And that doesn't mean you uh, take the knees out from under another player or a coach in front of the public just because you want to play um, head games and uh, try to move the social media to move the uh, – you know, the coach or the owner in a certain direction. Yeah, I, I just think that where the main crux of Jerry Jones's issues are is that he's too proud. He is too proud to fire Jason Garrett. He's too proud to get rid of Tony Romo, which I don't think he should. I think Tony Romo's fine. Their defense is awful. They have a great offense, but their defense is really lacking. And being able to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, our head coach is not getting it done. I know he's one of my guys, but I need to get rid of him. That's what a general manager is for. You can't be an owner and a general manager. Until, it, until Jerry Jones fires himself as a general manager, they're never going to win. And yeah, I, don't know, I don't know how delusional he is or how, or how uh, aware of what he's doing he is, but without... A general manager that does not have the same title as owner, they're not going to do anything. They're not going to do anything. So yeah. I understand, like the thing with the suit on the, on the field. I I can't stand that. Stand stand the box. You probably have. It's all probably made of gold up there. You know, there's chocolate fountains and there's everything. Just stay up there in your stay up there in your box. Watch the game from your luxury box, like every owner does, and let the people that you hire do their jobs. Yeah, I think I've heard that they actually have unicorns up there. Too. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Caviar falling from the heavens. I believe it. Here's the thing with an owner. The reality is, and you've mentioned it, is you've got to hire the right people in the right places um, and then let them do their job. And if they don't, same with the players, you know, becoming emotionally invested in the player. You can be that from a distance, but, you know, that's what the contract negotiations are all about. You negotiate. What do you get? When do you get it? How do you get it? And then it all goes down to you do your job and I'm going to pay you what you're worth because of the job that you're doing. And if you, you know, we set up the expectations uh, within the contract agreement negotiations, then we also have a level of accountability to go back and say, you remember that? Remember we talked about this and that's not happening right now. So what is it going to take in order, in order for us to get those results again? And you don't cut your player off at the knees. You understand that they are human beings. And you figure out what is it that has to be fixed, how does it have to be fixed, get it fixed, and then let them play. And if they can't meet expectations, whether it's a coach or a player, then you get rid of them. You don't cut anybody's knees out without giving them the level of expectations so they know what their report card is going to be and then hold them to that level of expectation without all the emotional baggage that can come with it. They've got enough emotional baggage just trying to get to a game. That's highly emotional. Yeah, um, talking about cutting people's knees out, RG3 is in the news in Washington, um, and so is Mike Shanahan. He's on the hot seat. He's been on the hot seat this whole year pretty much. Uh, Dan Snyder doesn't seem to like him. I'm not sure if that's true or not. That's what I'm kind of, with crunching all of everything that I've seen, that's kind of what I've uh, come to a realization about. Um, we know that RG3 is a Dan Snyder. Dan Snyder's, RG3 is a Dan Snyder guy. They have a very able-bodied backup in Kirk Cousins just waiting 
He played really well last year when RG3 got hurt. And the question I have is, number one, does Mike Shanahan make it through the rest of the year? Because he's owed $7 million next year. And I feel like if he gets fired, he'll be like, okay, I'm in an awful situation. Uh, my coaching just my my coaching legacy has been somewhat tarnished, even though he hasn't really been relevant since the mid nineties. And yeah, I'll take the seven million and go and get 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 away from this franchise that is that is awful right now with because of the owner. And number two, RG three, say Kirk Cousins comes out and plays lights out the the last three games of the year. I understand it could be a Matt Flynn situation where he plays really well when the games don't matter. Um, do you let Kirk Cousins go and stick with RG3 when the time comes? Because they have no draft picks this year. They gave them all to St. Louis. St. Louis is going to be stacked with two first-rounders and two second-rounders next year in the, or this year in the upcoming draft. Do you get rid of Kirk Cousins, or do you hang on to them both and hope RG3 could walk next year? Well, I keep wondering, you know, the whole RG3 thing, is the guy talented? Absolutely, there's no doubt. Is he back to where he was before he was injured? No. Um, the question is, you know, what's the problem? And part of what I see, I mean, there, there still can be some physical things going on with him that he just needs some more time to repair his body. I don't know. Certainly he needs to get some of the technique back that he had in the past that's still there, but he's, there's some level of mental and emotional stuff that's keeping him from playing at the high level. My bigger concern is the political aspect of what's going on within the team and um, a smart, uh, you can say smart person and could be somewhat conniving, and I don't necessarily mean that in a negative way. It's a negative term, but I don't necessarily mean it that way. But people who get ahead align themselves with power. Um, and right now, RG3 has decided that the coach doesn't have the power that he needs to get what he wants, but the owner does. So he's playing a very dangerous game right now that even if I were another coach, um, I would be thinking, do I want RG3 on my team? Certainly talent-wise, yes. Um, would I be able to sit with them and have a conversation and say, let's get this shit out of the way now and get it straightened up so that we can have a winning team and not uh, somebody who's whining behind my back and you know somebody that I can trust? Yeah, well said. Well said. I, I I'm I wish I had an answer. Um, I think personally that they should get rid of RG three. Uh, give him a half of next year. I know it's I know it's cutting the ties early, but I feel like you rip the band aid off now and uh, things will get better. And personally, I believe that Kirk Cousins is better fit for that offense because Alfred Morris is not a read option running back. He's not. He's an Adrian Peterson running back. He doesn't catch many balls out of the backfield. He runs north and south, and that's it. He's strong, he's fast, but he doesn't have that that ridiculous Jamal Charles speed. So I feel like if you have a if you have a conventional traditional quarterback handing the ball off instead of running the read option, then it will be better for the Washington Redskins. It will serve them better in the long run. And I feel like if you can trade RG three, it's not going to happen. But I feel like if you can trade RG three for some draft picks, you can really start over. With a solid quarterback, a solid running game, above average running game, and then maybe get some draft picks back, strengthen the defense, because you need a good defense, especially now in that division, because that division is so high-powered 
with the Eagles and the Cowboys. You know, it's you need a good defense to be able to have be in any sort of contention in in the future. So I know that I know, I know that's a radical standpoint, but I do believe that RG three is not the answer, and I believe that Cam Newton being the exception to the rule is the only one out of these five or six out of these you know three or four years of uh, read option quarterbacks that will actually flourish in the future and for years to come. Well, and the thing I see with Cam Newton is that he had, you know, kind of a rough uh, year last year in that, and he's figuring it out. Um, he's, you know, a highly intelligent guy. So is RG3, very intelligent. Um, and it's how do you use that intelligence in order to move forward as opposed to use it to um, try to get your way. Um, you know, whether you're looking at it from an individual standpoint or a team standpoint makes a difference as well. And I have a feeling right now with RG3, and as you said, none of us really know because we don't know what goes on behind closed doors or certainly what goes on in somebody's mind. But he's got to be going through a lot of fear, whether he will admit that it's fear or not. It, it is. Um, when he knows that his body and his techniques aren't what they used to be, um, and he's, he's probably very frustrated as a highly competitive guy that he's not seen his skills come back as quickly as he would like. And now he's got the potential um, second-string quarterback that could move up and, you know, show off in that position and be the next guy who uh, who's the starter. Yeah. So, you know, I see a lot of uh, survival scrambling going on with RG3 right now, which is a shame because the guy's got talent. Yeah, no, and that is, that's never been questioned, but the injury bug has hit him, and it hit him early on in his career, and it's sometimes it's tough to come back from it. Uh, we do have to take a break. On the other side of the break, we'll talk about injuries in the NFL, about the prevalence, the prevalent nature of injuries and different kinds and, you know, which ones are more important than others, quote-unquote. Uh, so we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris on the line, Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. We'll be back. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now some of you might still be in that place. If you're trying to get out, just follow me. 
Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris left us. She will be back. We were talking Redskins, Cowboys, just the bad stuff that's going on with some franchises. Some of it had to do with injury with RG3, and I'd like to segue into NFL injuries this year. There's been a lot. You know, there's been a lot. Uh, 40 ACL tears, I believe was the number, so far. There were 32 all of last year. I guess you could say that the players are following the rules. Don't hit high. It's a tough. It's it's tough to to distinguish between what's right or wrong, what's better or worse. It's like trying to hit a bullseye when you tackle somebody now. Shoulder into chest. That's it. We forget that these guys are running at full speed. Yes, their split second decisions are better than everybody's that aren't playing that aren't playing in the NFL right now. That's why they're. NFL football players, but they're human too. You know, make, mistakes are going to be made. You're going to go high on somebody. Like last night, somebody went high, called for called for launching on Brandon Marshall. Hit him in the back of the head. I mean, that's why they wear helmets. I understand that helmets, you know, they help, but they're not the end-all, be-all for saving concussions and whatnot. That's obvious. What are you going to do? to protect these guys so they can actually play football. I, I don't know if there's an answer for that. I, I don't know if I don't know if there's anything anything you can do. I mean they can wear styrofoam all around their whole body. You know, that wouldn't work. Um I don't really know. Unfortunately this conversation is really only brought up when star players get hurt. Rob Gronkowski just went out towards ACL. Guy, that was a legal hit. Legal hit. No flag, no fine. And it was it was pretty gruesome. Not not the most gruesome I've ever seen. Teron Matthews was pretty bad. But that was, you know, in the heat of a of a tackle. That wasn't uh anything that was fine worthy. But Gronk goes out, and then now it's it's news again. How are we going to protect the players? This game is violent. Everybody knows what they signed up for. I, so they, so people think, I mean, Kwame thinks that, that you know what you signed up for, you know it's going to be a violent game. But do you really know until it happens? Do you really know until you feel that first snap of your knee? Or until you get up and you can barely walk off the field because your head's jumbled like scrambled eggs? never going to happen to us and when we look at the injuries that are going on there's the um, immediate injury of having a broken bone or you know the Achilles you know the ACLs or you know any of those type of things that are injured that's immediate the head injuries often are out in the future so therefore it feels different even though they're more severe even though they are long lasting as opposed to an injury that you can go to the doctor and get it fixed um, it doesn't feel as immediate therefore it doesn't feel as painful uh, when somebody thinks about it 
So ramifications-wise, you don't even think about the future. You think about how it hurts now, but, I mean, that's not even the main point of the problem. It's it's rehabbing and getting back to what, to your to yourself previous in, before the injury? Well, as a player, um, it's just like, well, let's, let's put it this way. If I were going to go bungee jumping, uh, I'm, you know, my concern is, am I going to get injured right here, right now? You know, or I'm just saying, I just want the thrill of doing it. So the thrill is greater than the concern about injury. Therefore, I'm going to go for the thrill. So when we look at football and the guys are saying, I just want to freaking play. That's why even like an RG3, going back to that for just a second, an RG3 is like, I, I just get me in the game. I mean, any of the guys will be, just get me in the game. Um, and when they have a physical injury that they're carted off, uh, literally carted off, they can't play anymore. That hurts more to them in the moment when they have to be on the sidelines or sit at home or go through rehab and everybody else is playing, including somebody else in their position, the pain of that feels greater and more immediate than the worry about, well, what if? Yeah, well, that I mean, that's probably because there's a good chance. I mean, there, a good chance. There's a chance that somebody else is going to take their spot and they're never going to get to play again. Absolutely. So, I and mean. That's, that's not only, and that's, we could go to the money side of it. Certainly there's the money aspect of it, but it's more the fact that I can't do what I love most. Yeah, I mean. So, okay, back on my my first point. Do you think that the NFL will figure out a way to allow the players to tackle in a way that is legal, that will actually be effective? I mean, wrapping up is no longer a thing. Defenses don't wrap players up anymore. They they lunge and they go for knees. Uh, you know, they launch, which is now a penalty. I don't really know because the because the lost because the art of tackling is now lost on this new generation of football. Where do they go from here? Like, do they become more lenient? Do they become more strict in the rules office? I mean, I don't I don't see any good way that this could end. I mean, what twenty more ACLs have to get have to get popped before they change the rule for not being able to go low. Well, and this is the thing, and you know, as we talked about before, guys don't in the in the moment. And there's been inter, a lot of interviews around this and that too. That in the moment on the field, when they're going for a tackle, it's tough to have that momentary thought of, okay, do I go high? Do I go low? Do I do what? It's just get the guy down. Um, so I, I don't know the answer. I don't, you know, if, if anybody had the answer, it'd be resolved by now. But you take something like, you know, when Gronk was just got hit and T.J. Ward was talking about, you know, he got a $15,000 fine for hitting Shipley. You know, well, then the thought is, well, as a young guy, he's not making the same as a whole bunch of other guys. He's looking at, well, $15,000 to him, that's, that's a boatload of money when you look at it against his contract. Um, so do I want that $15,000 fine or do I want to take the chance that, you know, let me just do a legal tackle and you know another player's out. Yeah, you know, or no, or you miss. There, there's no win for the player. Or you miss a tackle and you get benched. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I've I've been a huge supporter of Roger Goodell for trying to keep players safe. Um, 
the thing with and again this only comes up when superstars get superstars get get injured i mean it, which is really unfair to the rest of the league All right but i'm starting to wonder if he should just let everybody play <laughs> i mean and 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 i don't i i still don't agree with that and i won't i won't but i'm starting to wonder if the lawsuits on the back end are worth putting out even a better product now. Yeah, and I, his yeah. tenure probably will be over at that point. So he can wash his hands clean. He's in a very precarious situation. Because all of the lawsuits now seemingly have been uh, put put to rest because they gave the $765 million severance, which you should have had $1 or $2 billion in front of that. Which there was. And negotiated out. Right. Well, because the because the players needed it now, right? It's it, it's taking a lump sum for the lottery instead of getting paid, you know, for the next thirty years, right? Because a lot of them don't have that through age or, or other concern, other medical concerns. Well, when you're when you're having medical problems now, you know, down the road isn't going to help you, and you've got to get the you know procedure or whatever you needed done now. Just is to have quality of life is the standpoint? Then go play baseball or go play basketball. A valid one? For a parent making a decision? No, no, no. No, no, no. For these guys in co- going to college or playing high school ball, take away all of this stuff with the concussions and, and all of this new uh, uh, medical research that's come out about the ramifications after football. Say in the 80s or the 90s, instead of playing football, they went and played basketball and baseball. And even more so now, Roger Goodell could come out and say, if you don't like how we're running this, then go play baseball. Go play a safer sport. Is that a valid argument? Or is it the NFL is the most popular by far sport in the United States? Do you want to go for the gold and try to make it on that 53-man roster? I don't know. I think part of that goes back to, and that's the reason I started bringing up the kids and stuff at the end, when you get to the point that you've played football from Pop Warner all the way up through high school and now you're into college and you're playing football, somebody's not going to say, oh, guess what, I think I'll just change sports. Now, it's not that it hasn't been done because there's been guys who have played multiple sports and have made it, you know, a choice to go with one over the other. And, you know, I go back to as the progression occurs, um, we're creating history now in the current for future history is what are some of the choices parents are making with their children as to what sport that they put them in. I mean, we just had here in Phoenix, it was a high school kid who was just killed because of concussion. Yeah. Died. Um, you know, people are going to start making different choices, uh, and there's always going to be the gladiators. No matter what, there will always be the gladiators that are going to come forward just like um, in the service, why do, why do guys and gals choose to be um, a SEAL or, you know, certain, certain high, high level, uh, you could take any profession, high level, high expectations, uh, high gratitude, but also um, high loss. Yeah, so I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, something, something will happen. This, is, this has been a bend and not break uh, sport. I just don't know how this could end positively. I said that before. Yeah. Well, I, and I, well, I mean, and I don't care how many helmets you put on a guy. He's still, um, when the head hits the ground, that's, that's potential concussion. 
um, or hits another helmet. So even taking the helmet-to-helmet stuff out, uh, you still have the injury of the slashing brain within the skull uh, as opposed to um, just a hit that, um, you know, but we're not seeing crushing skulls. We're seeing brains that are being slashed around within the uh, the cavity of the skull. Yeah, and Wells Walker had two concussions in, what, three weeks? Right, yeah. And the 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 piggybacking of concussions is not something you want to... And that's what it comes down to. Do you want some player to potentially get two concussions? Because all you have to do is pass a test for concussions or tear their ACL. We're going to talk about that on the other side of the break. I want to keep this going. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris online. We'll be back. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy in studio. Deborah Debris on the line. We were just talking about Deborah's book that's been out for a few months now, I believe. Deb, give me a little bit about it. Deborah. Sorry. Yes. Ask the question again. I apologize. Uh, just tell me about your book and where oh, people can my get book. it. It's called Averages and Addiction from Mediocre to Millions. Um, I talk about what it takes to get out of the fear, the frustration, the anxiety of sitting in average, being mediocre, and knowing that you can do more. Uh, so I even go into the Tame and Train Your Beast method, which uh, we've talked about on the show before. Uh, it is, and I've been told by a number of men, um, I don't pull any punches in this book. You want, to, uh, you want to actually get to the next level in your career or your life or in sports, this is it, uh, including the chapter on sissy-pissy behaviors. Um, and no excuses for being average. So uh, you can pick it up on Amazon. It's now on Kindle as well as on uh, you know, Barnes & Noble, their book nook and all that. So no excuse not to go out and buy it. Or you can go to my website, uh, averageisanaddiction.com. There's a special out there uh, for the book. And I'm starting a, anybody interested, I'm starting a teleseries, eight-week teleseries on the book to actually walk people through the book um, and have them situationally implement the techniques that I teach NFL players to be able to situationally uh, um, 
learn those techniques and implement them in your business and in your life um, and or sports. So if you're interested in that, get a hold of me, uh, 480-212-1909, or go to deboradubree.com forward slash offer, and all the information is out there. Yeah, it's your fault if you don't do this because she gave you a laundry list of ways to do it. Holy crap, yeah. And this is going to be, I am going to do live coaching on these calls. It's not a, you know, holding hands, singing we are the world type of calls. This is a um, let's read 20 to 30 pages a week, which is doable. And then I'm going to do live coaching just like I do with my NFL players on the call with those that, uh, um, you know, want to jump on the call and uh, really get their life changed in a big way. Yeah, you left one thing out. You can be on a radio show with Deborah Debris and get a book for free. So There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, who would you want to – I kind of want to talk about this more. Who would you want to – if you could pick one player in the NFL right now to work with one-on-one for, say, a month, who would you want to work with? I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. Um... You can't choose RG3. I tell you what, uh, actually, and I've thought about this in the past, it would either be somebody who's going through a major injury and looking to get back and or someone like a Cam Newton who is starting to break through into that next level and to make sure that he continues that momentum and has the tools and the techniques that he needs in order to keep that momentum going. So momentum is not only in wins, but just, and you're not even focusing on wins and losses, you're just focusing on mental and emotional? Yeah, I look at my my best uh, clients are those who um, have positions and personalities that are high expectations. They're critically judged on what they do, uh, either by themselves or others. Their money and their performance is tightly tied together. So the more the better they perform, the more money they make. Um, and I look absolutely at the techniques that can help mentally and emotionally. Now, I'm not talking. I'm not a sports psychologist. I don't care what your mama did. I don't care what your daddy did. I'm looking at. What are the techniques where you can learn how to use your mind for strength rather than having all the thoughts, uh, the second-guessing and thoughts and the worry and the wonder come in um, and actually build a stronger, physically stronger, more powerful body um, through the techniques that I teach and then be able to implement it on the field or on the course or whatever sport you play or in the office? What if, what if that's one of the major focal points of their mental weakness is is their upbringing. So you well, want to, I do you, deal you, with I do deal with the whole player. Now, at the same time and and um, science will back this up where it used to be you have to go back, you have to lament about it all, you got to tell all the stories and all that kind of stuff. The reality is if we can just become aware of and notice what happened and what the effect is having on us right here right now, then we can also look well if that's the effect that I'm having, then what what's the effect that I would like to have? And you really observe that, um, you know, the upbringing, but certainly not use it as an excuse for not being able to play at your highest level, but use it as a strength in order to move you forward. Um, I tell people I had every excuse in the book to be average or, you know, hell, even below average with, you know, a woman in construction, um, small town outside of Chicago, only a high school diploma, uh, divorce, single mom, bankruptcy, I mean, lay it all out there, health issues where, you know, I was near death, literally near death, six units of blood and all that. And I've learned through the sciences and the techniques that I now teach in a very simple fashion how to use all of those things that have happened in my life as a strength to either motivate me forward um, and or leverage in some way that, 
you know, creates more, more power and better results. And, and why did you choose sports as a focal? Like, oh, why my did... God. I love sports. Well, I love sports, first of all. I'm from Chicago. You don't live in Chicago and not love sports, or they just, you know, take you to an alley. Someplace. Yeah, I, I wouldn't like sports unless it was the mid-90s and the Bulls, but besides <laughs> that, or the 80s and the, and the Bears, but besides that. Uh, yeah, but besides that, but I love sports. And part of what I love about sports is that the people in sports that I work with um, they're highly motivated to always do better than what they're doing right now. So they listen to what um, they listen to what I say. I give them tools and techniques to immediately implement. They see the results, and then it's like and excuse the expression, but holy crap! You know, if I can do that, what else can I do? So then it's coming back, and they they know I can trust me. They trust the techniques that I teach, and they see the results, and they want more. To me, that gives me just extreme pleasure. When I get a text message or see them on TV on a you know Sunday night Thursday night game doing well, um, or whenever we talk on a weekly basis um, over the phone, or even get phone calls from locker rooms, um, I just got a text message. Here's an example, and I'll do this really quick. And I haven't even read it, which is why I was kind of huh on the question earlier. Yeah, way to pay attention. A, I just got yeah. I just went brain dead for a moment. Um, I just received a text message from Coach uh, Jake Harrington, who was with. Um, South Mountain Community College for a number of years. I worked with the men's golf team. They won two back-to-back championships in golf. And I just got a text message. He's asking for my ring size so he can make me a ring. Oh, that's awesome. So those are things that I go, holy man, that is freaking incredible. That's great. So I love that. Good stuff. Deborah Debris, check her out. Listen to the tape bag. You, you can listen to our archived uh, shows from our four days a week now on voiceamerica.com. Search Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. And they're all ca- they're all uh, uh, categorized on the right hand side. So, or you can uh, go to yourclearedge.com under the radio um, little tab at the top, and there's some arc- um, aspects of the show with some PDFs and things that you can do some some of the exercises and techniques I teach. GarageBand is a beautiful thing, huh? There you go. I love it, big time. Um, one last thing: we have about a minute and a half till we have to go. What is in one sentence? What would you tell somebody? Because you know that I believe that the bigger the contract, the less. The, the less motivation there is, especially in guaranteed contracts, what would you say in one sentence to somebody that just got a $100 million contract over eight years, all guaranteed? Forget the money, do what you know that you can do. And now, do you think that'll resonate? Do you think that, like, percentage-wise, because the strong ones, yes, and most athletes are strong-minded, they, love, they play for the love of the game, I understand that. But it's, it's the, the dummies that are the outliers, the ones that people remember, like, say, Carl Crawford in baseball, who just got this whole boatload of money and hasn't done anything since. He went down maybe as the worst baseball contract of all time. Well, here's the thing with money. we got about 45 seconds, Here's Steph. the thing with money. With money comes expectations, and now you're comparing yourself to yourself um, as well to others that play in that position. So, therefore, the expectations get greater, the stress gets greater, the stress causes the inability to play at the level that you used to play at. Well, there you go. Uh, Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk, Deborah Debris on the line, Alex Clancy in studio all alone. It is frigid in here. This space hey, heater is not nice doing jack. Um, yeah, it's cold in Arizona. <laughs> uh, we are off tomorrow. We will be back Thursday. Uh, we will definitely talk, uh, preview the Denver-San Diego Charger game Thursday night, and we'll talk about a very, very important week in the NFL coming up on, on this weekend um, you know, we didn't get to the Heisman today. We'll talk about that Thursday as well. Alex Clancy, Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. We'll see you guys Thursday. 
much for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.